Welcome to 20 Not Something, the podcast for 20-somethings who haven't quite figured out what their something is yet. Each week, I'll be speaking to a different guest about their experiences of this messy decade to reassure you that everything turns out all right in the end. Because doing something in your 20s can actually mean doing anything that makes you happy. Today, I am joined by the wonderful TV producer, Lucy Terrell. Fiercely independent from a young age, Lucy graduated at 22, fully prepared to take on the freedom of the 20s decade she'd been so excited to start. Despite trying to veer away from the 9-to-5 office job, Lucy ended up working in advertising for a couple of years before landing a job in London as a media planner for B&Q. Unfulfilled by her job and feeling slightly lost, at 24, Lucy hit a crossroads where her life changed quite drastically. Her first long-term relationship came to an end. She quit her job, moved out of her flat and found herself sleeping on a friend's floor, fairly broke and wondering what the hell she was going to do next. But in true Lucy style, she took a leap of faith and put all of her fierce determination into following a new passion, a career in TV. However, packing in the corporate advertising job for a precarious freelance career wasn't kind to her bank account or her mental health. Taking various jobs in between telegigs to pay the bills, it was a hard couple of years, but also where Lucy learned more about herself than she ever imagined possible. Sometimes you have to go through the dark to see the light, and when Lucy made it through the other side, she found herself picking up more and more telegigs before gleefully falling into food shows. Lucy is now an extremely successful producer, having worked on some of the UK's biggest shows, including The Great British Bake Off, Saturday Kitchen and MasterChef. I have never related to a statement more than Lucy's perfect reflection of her 20s. In her words, I was a hot mess who liked to drink a lot. I look back now at my 20s and I realise in one way how awful they were, but also what a learning curve. The things I really used to stress about, I just don't anymore. Lucy Terrell, welcome to 20 Not Something. That was lovely. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm blushing slightly. (laughs) (laughs) Just be thankful it's a podcast. It means you can look however you want. (laughs) Yeah, well, I am very grateful for that because I I actually do look like a hot mess, uh, referring (laughs) back to earlier. It's lockdown has kind of, my wardrobe is basically leggings and a very old t-shirt or jumper. So yeah, it's not being kind to my fashion statement at all. (laughs) Well, it was just my favourite thing to read and I just laughed about it because after this summer, I feel like I'm a total hot mess as well. So so there we go. Um, I thought I'd kick things off by asking you the same question I ask everyone. And that is, you know, you said you were so excited for your 20s to start, but can you remember what it was that you wanted the most from that decade? I think, God, it's hard, isn't it? But I think probably as a teenager or even, you know, as as a young kid, it was that you know, I had cousins who were all quite a bit older than me. And I think I saw them in their sort of early 20s with like this sense of freedom and cars and just like living this amazing life and then kind of settling down. And I just sort of, I think when you're younger, you think that's how your sort of natural next step is into your 20s. And and I think also think when you're younger, you are so naive to all the you know, emotions that people are going through, you know, you look at them and you think, oh God, you know, that's amazing. They've got a flat, they've got, you know, they've got a family, they've got a car, but actually you've got no idea what's really going on. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably what I want, you know, sort of that independence and freedom. And then I got Mm -hmm. into my twenties and I was like, God, 
this isn't what it was meant to be. This isn't what the <laughs> kind of the rule book said it would be like. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. That's your question. Yeah, it does. It's that classic thing when you're like sort of 17, 18 looking and you're like, so I'm going to be married by 25. I'm getting yeah. my first kid by 28. And then you get there yeah. and you're like, oh, oh my God. God. Emma, literally, I was like, right, 25, I get married. Uh, and then by the time I'm 27, I'll have my first child. <laughs> by the time I'm 29, I'll have my second. I'll see about a third. I definitely want a house with <laughs> three bedroom. You know, and I literally had it all planned out. And mm. and then all of a sudden I was like, oh gosh, that, that isn't really what I want. Or or even that that's not kind of panning out that way. Um, you know, and I'm 36 now. And the thought of having a child at 24 horrifies me because I just <laughs> was not ready at all so uh uh, that was thankfully a plan that maybe didn't work uh probably quite good (laughs) but you know at 24 you did hit that major crossroads in your life Mm. and you know that is so much change to have happened to you with the relationship ending and moving out and the change of jobs and all of that Mm. and it takes so much courage to do something like that and to basically knowingly and willingly tip your world upside down so yeah was there a catalyst to that change? Talk me through how that happened. I think, you know, if I'm honest, I think I was, you know, the, the relationship I was in, there was nothing wrong with it um, in terms of, we, you know, we were both very pleasant to each other and very much um, got on with each other's families, etc. But I just think I know, you know, without being cruel to, to the other person, you know, maybe there was a part of me that was just a bit bored. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted more than just living you know, near family and stuff like that. I wanted to explore and I, and I wanted to go to London and, and do all of that sort of stuff. And I think being in that relationship, I knew that probably wouldn't happen. And I think truthfully, they were probably bored as well. You know, we met when we were 17. Well, he was 19. And I, and I think, you know, 17 to 24, you do change a lot and, and you, you know, you're, you're more grown up, you know, 17, you're still a kid really, aren't you? So, um, mm-hmm. And I, and I think the reality as well, Emma, is, you know, I, as I, you know, I've sort of told you before is I didn't have a great relationship with my parents. And so I didn't really enjoy living at home. So maybe this relationship was kind of more of a, a crutch than I realized to begin with. Mm. And I don't, you know, and, I, and I, I say all this and I think a lot of it's in hindsight. I think at the time I didn't really know why the relationship was ending, if I'm honest, but um, I look back and I, and I think they're kind of the fundamental reasons, but you know, everyone uses those words, you know, brave. And I remember somebody who was much older than me being like, God, this is all really brave that you're doing. It. And it didn't feel brave at the time. It felt a bit reckless, if I'm honest. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and and it was hard, you know, and for, for a long time afterwards, I did really miss that relationship. And I had to be really truthful to myself. You know, was it the relationship and everything that came with it that I was missing? Or was it the the safety net, you know, the, the familiarity of it that I was missing and, mm. and not just falling into that trap. I think a lot of people do, and I can see why, and it's really easy just staying in something because it's familiar and it's comfortable and it feels safe, but you're not maybe that happy or fulfilled. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But it's true, it is hard to know that at the time because you don't know anything different and mm. the world is a fucking scary place, let's be <laughs> oh, honest. Oh, we saw, we can swear on this, great. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone it's always petrifying. asks me this. I'm like, why not? <laughs> yeah, no, it is, it is petrifying. And, you know, and, and, what's, and what's phenomenal is, you know, I was really close to my grandparents, especially my grandma. And I remember, you know, sort of saying to her, like, we've broken up. And she was brilliant. She was like, 
you will be okay. Like that's all she said. There was no conversation to be had, but she was just like, you will be fine. And that, that was all I kind of needed was that sort of reassurance that, you know, at some point, you know, you will get through this and you will be all right. And you'll look back on it and and you'll realize that was the right decision. Mm. So, yeah, but you're right. The world is a very scary place. Even (laughs) God, even for, you know, people in the thirties, forties and fifties, I think it's incredibly scary. So Mm. it's the fear of the unknown as well, which also, I mean, continuing on with that thread of the, the crossroads when you, decided to pack in your very secure job as mm. well and then go into the the freelance career um what what sort of insinuated that leap of faith and, and was it worth it <laughs> I think I, I hope I know the answer to that question <laughs> I think now yes it was worth it at the time I hated it like so so I'd always I think I'd said to you when I when I sent you over some info you know I left uni not really knowing what I wanted to do but I knew I wanted to work in telly um in some way and I really wanted to make documentaries and and I had this really sort of romantic notion of what telly would be like and all and all of that kind of stuff and anyway I'd, fall, I'd fallen into advertising got, got you know a nice job in the city or say the city in London and a, a, somebody I was working with who actually has gone on to be a very good friend of mine and we and we still stay in touch her friend was a producer or had been a producer on Big Brother and via her I got an interview with a production manager um, and, you know, literally on Friday, I went for leaving drinks and at this, at this ad agency that I was working for. And, you know, it was all very lovely and there's champagne being thrown everywhere. And it was wonderful mm-hmm. to Monday morning, literally just spending my entire day making tea and toast for people. And I was like, oh, wow, is this, is this what telly's about? Uh, I've gone through 75 loaves of bread um, in a day. <laughs> God, you know, and it, and it was a real kind of into the deep end. This is what's what, telly, and it was, you know, in hindsight, yes, it was brilliant because you do realise that actually, you've got to put the graft in to get anywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. But I didn't like it and I hated working on the show. And I'm not saying it was the show itself, but I just, you know, there was definitely an environment within that show that was very cliquey. I didn't feel very welcome. uh, And I spent the entire time, the entire three weeks going, oh my God, what have I done? Like, Mm -hmm. what have I done? Um, And obviously it was Christmas, then it was really hard to get work. I didn't have any contacts really. I just had to keep sending out my CV. And then thankfully in the new year, kind of, uh, you know, I got another job in telly, but I think very easily I could have gone back to advertising and would have just carried on in that very lovely world of, Mm. you know, having a Monday to Friday job and knowing that I had a paycheck each month and, free healthcare yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. So so there was definitely a few moments when I thought, I'm not doing this. I'm not cut out for this. And even after sort of five or six years, there were definitely moments when I thought, I'm not doing this. I'm not cut out for it. But <laughs> for, some, for some reason, you just keep going. And then, and then almost all of a sudden, I found my groove with it um, mm. and realized that I am, you know, there is, there is this sort of niche area of television that I really enjoy making. And I am, you know, I think good at it and I enjoy it <laughs> and um, work with phenomenal people. And and I'm glad I did stick at it. You know, mm. I, I do. You know, I love my job and I, I think very few people get to say that. Um, yeah, for know. sure. 
And I think what must have been really hard as well is obviously going through that while there was a recession going on. And I remember Mm. reading your note and it made me so sad because you said um, during that time you you didn't have any work and you were trying to sell phones at the mobile phone shop. (laughs) And you said that, but where you would consistently trying to put on a brave face and remain that like bubbly, shining personality. And, and that's really sad because you said that was probably the most damaging thing you could have done. Yeah. Is that, is that because you didn't allow yourself to feel down? Um, No, I think, I think I definitely felt down and I, and Mm. I, and I, you know, and I, you know, I was incredibly unhappy at times, you know, I, you know, I, so a bit of backstory before I went to university, I worked at a mobile, a, a mobile phone shop and um, can I say which one? Yeah. I can say which one, can't I? Sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Coffin warehouse. Um, Love it. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and, um, and so I used to work there before university and they were, you know, in, and, and I was terrible at sales, Emma, like awful at sales. I'd much rather have a conversation and a cup of tea. And if you want to buy something from me, bonus but if you don't I haven't got a problem with that and if you work in sales <laughs> you're not going to get very far with that <laughs> with that um uh sort of outlook but when the recession hit I you know very luckily a manager said just come back and work for us and I, I was terrible at it I can remember people coming in asking for certain phones and I was like they don't exist and they'd take <laughs> me out the back and there'd be 25 of them in the stock room you know it's like awful absolutely awful but I did always have this smile on my face and, and anybody that ever, you know, everybody would always be like, oh, Lucy's so bubbly, Lucy's so fun. And inside I was like, I'm really miserable. I live in an awful flat in London. I've got a weird housemate that I don't know from Adam really at the end of the day. I don't really mm. feel like I've got many friends, even though I seem to have many friends around me, if that makes sense. But like, mm. I just felt like on the outside, I should be so happy you know, looking in, you'd be like, of course she's happy. She's got all of this stuff going on, but you know, and I, and I could barely make ends meet, you know, every, every month I was dreading, I wasn't going to be able to pay my rent or my bills or, you know, and so it was just a really, really tough time. And I think that was difficult enough to get through. And I'm just so, you know, what with everything that's going on now, I I do often speak to Emily, my fiance, and I'm like, fuck, I'm so glad COVID didn't happen to me then. Because I think mm. it would have been catastrophic. I really do yeah. think it would have been quite a dangerous and and scary place to to be. Yeah, a hundred percent. Especially in an industry like the arts, which is mm. at the moment obviously catapulted into this world of just uncertainty and no backup. And yeah, yeah, uh, it must be really, really hard. Yeah, it is. And 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 I think you know, gosh, I, I don't know if I answered your question properly, but I think also. I think if you have the support and the backing of your family, whether that's emotional or financial or, you know, both, that makes things a lot easier. But when Mm -hmm. you don't really have a relationship with your immediate family and you're not that open or comfortable at talking about things and you don't, and there's no sort of financial um, help or, or anything like that, it all just becomes quite a lot of pressure like it's almost like this a weight on your shoulders because mm. you're not unloading anything but you also got this added pressure of money you know and as horrible as it sounds like if you haven't got a lot of money you're always going to be you're always going to be worried mm. you know and so then you add that on with the uh, lack of emotional support it's just quite a scary scary place to be in 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but it must be, you know, so rewarding looking back and reflecting on that time now, um, being, you know, so happy and and secure and, you know, content with your job. And I remember actually when I met you, the one thing I noticed about you was that you just ebbed this incredible sense of like self-assurance and confidence. I don't know, like you sort of like own the room. And do you remember if there was like a distinctive time when you felt that shift into owning the space that you were in or did that come with time? I don't I, I don't know if I know exactly when. I think there is definitely a sizable difference between sort of 36-year-old me and sort of 25, you know, 20s me. Mm. Uh, but I do think it was when I sort of moved into my 30s. And I think it's because I started stepping up the, you know, the sort of career ladder, so to speak. I was sort of more of a a seasoned AP and so with that comes more confidence um because you know more and you kind of know your role a lot more and you for me I just started working out very quickly what baggage was quite easy to get rid of mm-hmm. um and just got rid of it you know I just sort of was like you know whether that's people or emotions or whatever I was like let's just get rid of that because it's not it's not helpful to me it's it's not bringing me any value it's making me feel miserable so you know you, you if you had food on your plate and you didn't like the taste of something you wouldn't eat it does that mm. make sense so why mm-hmm. so why you know have these things around you and then and then I went traveling and I went traveling quite late I suppose you know I was 32 33 and it you know I was only meant to go for six weeks I went for four and a half months and just came mm. back and literally was like oh my you know without sounding cliche you know people say finding themselves but I definitely came back and was like, all of this stuff I used to worry about, I'm just not worried about. Mm. You know, what will be, will be, and, and things will happen and I'll make them happen or not make them happen, but but things will be. And it's going back to what my grandma said, you know, it will be okay. Things will be okay. Like you will you will be fine. Mm. Um, and it's just trying oh. to sort of teach yourself that. Ivy, she was a very wise woman, was Ivy. Yeah, she <laughs> sounds wise. Yeah, I want her like biography or something. <laughs> yeah. so yeah Mm. one thing I did want to ask you about actually because you said um in your note to me you're like let's talk dating and um (laughs) and I love that you said you know you're afraid of hurting people's feelings and that sometimes you give people the time who really didn't deserve it Um, yeah it's embarrassing I look back now and I think what was I what like what was I thinking I can remember there was uh a I'd met a guy at a friend's warehouse party. So I don't know if you've ever been to a warehouse party, but any decisions you make after midnight should be none and void the next day. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'd met this, you know, friend of a friend, whatever. And he was like, do you want to go for a drink? I was like, yeah, fine. And I remember coming up the escalators at Angel and I was like, and I saw him, I was like, this is a terrible decision. (laughs) And it was too late. He he clocked my eye and it was too late for me to go back down the other side of the escalator. It's like, well, I've got to go through with this. And it was the most awful day. And it, you know, and the problem was we went for, we went for drinks at the end to this quite like a sort of spit and sawdust whiskey bar. And I think it was the whiskey is the reason I had I, my memory of it the, the following day was oh, it was quite a fun date, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so we went on a second date. And I was like, oh, no, this is awful. And we went on a third date. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? And I had to just text him and be like, I'm really sorry, but I just, you know, not into you. And, you know, and I felt bad because I think 
you know, when you go on two or three dates, somebody else might start yeah. thinking, oh, it's just awful. But I did that on more than one occasion. Like I actually dated people. And I was like, why am I in a relationship with you? This is awful, mm. you know, mm. and and it's nothing to do with them. It's just, and, and it was, you know, you don't want to be the one that hurts their feelings. But also I think because I think, you know, harking back to what I've said before with my relationship with my parents, it's that kind of, need to feel wanted and loved maybe mm. that I was kind of clinging on to something whereas now I I mean you know me I know full well if I was to go on a date with somebody <laughs> and I wasn't interested I would very politely end <laughs> the evening there and then and go home and have a cup you of tea you would be staying for the main course <laughs> yeah be, he'd be out <laughs> I'd be like many thanks here's some money but I'm off to watch Bake Off <laughs> 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 where yeah. would you rather be yeah right. <laughs> and also because obviously you know you date you say you dated guys throughout your 20s but now you're actually engaged to a woman the lovely yeah. Emily yeah um, and I think that we've spoken before probably quite drunkenly about how <laughs> love is this sort of spectrum and gender sometimes doesn't play a part in who yeah. we fall in love with when we're falling in love with a person um, yeah was that something you came to realize in your 30s or do you think that's always been there I definitely think it's something I came to realise in my 30s. Yeah, I think I think when I was younger, it was very much like, this is what love should be. This is how like, and I, and I kind of felt like it should be these certain feelings and emotions. And then when I met Emily, um, definitely that was when I realised that actually, and I, I think what Emily proved to me as well is when it comes to friends, is actually I love the people and I love them for the friendship and the relationship that I have with them. Um, and so, so meeting Emily very quickly, I think I fell in love with her and I realized what I was falling in love with was a, was a human being Mm. and, uh, their values and their, uh, their humor and all of that stuff that, that, that makes them who they are, as opposed to falling in love with somebody because of the way they look or their gender or their, you know, their job or anything like that. Um, so that was, yeah, that was quite defining for me, I think. Mm. Yeah, because I think, you know, so many people experiment in their 20s with, do I like guys, do I like girls? And mm. I think that is important because I think sometimes we're so young and we, we, I think now young people have more of an idea of what's out there, but especially, you know, 10 or, 10 or so years ago, that wasn't really the case. Yeah, no, and, you know, and I didn't, you know, Emily's the first uh, woman I've been in a relationship with and I definitely didn't experiment at all in, in my 20s or in my early 30s and I remember having this feeling of like I, is this a, 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 you know is this something I want to experiment with and having in a complete breakdown on two of my best friends and they just basically told me to stop being a joke and get over it and just get online and don't worry about it and I was like oh <laughs> like they didn't they didn't entertain my drama and that was great <laughs> you know they were literally like we're not entertaining this it's absolutely fine just go and meet whoever you want to meet whether it's a guy or a girl or whatever like don't worry about it and it, and mm. and that was amazing because actually I think I thought there should be all of this sort of drama around it and actually no one really cares like mm. no, no one cares who you're dating as long as you're happy. Um, that's what I realised very quickly as well. Yeah, so true. And you're going to get married. We, we should be married. We should I be know. But yeah, we're going to get married next year, um, 24th of July. So fingers crossed this COVID disappears. But do you know what? Like we keep saying we're very lucky, like apart from our wedding being postponed, we haven't touch wood really been affected you know by covid Mm. we've both kept our jobs we've 
we don't really know anybody that's had it. Um, you know, for us, it's been relatively um, unharmful to us, which, you know, isn't, isn't the truth for a lot of people, unfortunately. So, um, you know, if moving the wedding is all that's going to happen to us, then I'll take that. So we're going to go on to play Millennial Minesweeper now. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to read you out a few quotes and we're, you're going to tell me whether you agree with them or not. Right. Um, and then just have a chat about them. And they're all about living life in your 20s. Okay. Cool. So our first one is, I think when you're in your 20s, you feel like there's this giant cutoff point when you're 30 because you feel like you have to be young to achieve loads of things. Oh, I think true. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think being in my 20s now, I do massively um, relate to it. Also, you're going to love who said it. It was Elizabeth Day. Brilliant. We are fans of Elizabeth Day. We are. Um, But yeah, when you're in your 20s, you feel like there's a giant cutoff point when you're 30. I think... It annoys me though, because I've got friends at the moment and we're all turning 25 and they're like, oh God, we're close to 30. And I'm like, but why is that a bad thing? No. Literally- Do you know what? I When I turned 30, I made the celebrations last about a month. Like <laughs> I was like, this is brilliant. Like, and mm. you know, and I, and I hate, I, I hated it when I was in my twenties and I'm very mindful of saying this to people in their twenties, like enjoy your twenties while you can. Like, gosh, you've got nothing to worry about. Have fun. Like, I don't, you know, I don't. I don't think that is necessarily the most helpful or, 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 you know, best statements, but there is a part of me that's like, just go and do it, go and do stuff, Mm -hmm. figure, like go and make mistakes because, you know, you're, you know, all the mistakes I made, I'm glad I made them in my twenties as opposed Mm -hmm. to making them in my thirties or or forties or whatever. Um, So, Yeah. yeah. Enjoy. I think the thing, the thing about the quote as well, when it says you feel like you have to be young to achieve yeah, things. No. And I, I really, I'm so bad with that. Like I'm like, I think it's to do with the planning thing as well. Oh, I want to be this age by the time I've achieved mm. this and this and this. And mm. you look around you, especially in this industry, and there's people of all ages doing all different things. Yeah. And when someone's above you and they're younger than you, yeah. like, you know, people get, especially me, I'm like, oh, I should be doing that. And I'm yeah. not. But yeah, but, but you know what, like, you know, I, we can only both relate to the industry that we're in because that's what we do now. But, you know, I was 20, 24, nearly 25, I think, when I got my first job in telly. And and I think there sh- you shouldn't put an age on, you know, I'm that per- I, you know, I'm, I'm 30, so I should be an assistant producer or I should be this or I should be that. It's, mm. you know, I've got this experience under my belt and I've done this and that's what qualifies me to be that. And that's why I'll be the best at that. And I think it's very easy to want to be, uh, you know, in a role before somebody's ready. Like I definitely became an AP before I think I was possibly ready. So I was like mm. a swan at, I was like, you know, panicking underneath, keeping quite calm on top and, and, Thankfully, I made it through without any, you know, too many catastrophes. But um, I'm waffling. I don't know if I'm making any sense. No, no, that does make sense. No, no, that does. That does. It definitely does. But, you know, as Lerman did say, a lot of people in their 40s don't know what they want to do. And they're some of the most interesting people, (laughs) you know. And I I very much agree with that sentiment as well, you know. And 
And I think, you know, I know people that have had career changes in their late 30s, 40s, and it's brilliant. You know, it's such a, a an amazing, amazing thing to do. Mm. So our second quote yes. is... Most friends only stay in your life for a period of time. When you move on or your priorities change, so too do the majority of your friends. Mm. The majority of your friends. I definitely Mm. think some friends are transitional relationships. Mm. But I don't think... Oh. Hmm. Yeah, it's a difficult one. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I would say it's probably true because I think you probably only take small handfuls of friends with you, don't you? Yeah, I think I'm beginning to realise that more and more. Actually, Um, I think you you can have friends which come in and out of your life, though. Like I've gone a year or more Mm. not speaking to a friend, and then I'm going to meet her for brunch next weekend because we're just going to have one big massive catch up, and then probably won't chat again for you know. So. I do understand that. But yeah, like really close friends. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one. I don't the, know. the beauty of that, though, is I bet when you'll meet up, it will feel like you just saw each other last week, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they're also just as valuable friendships, I think. And I, and I think we get too caught up sometimes on saying, well, they're my friends. So I have to see that, you know, I have to see them this many times for it to be a valued friendship. But I've got friends, certainly, that I've actually got a friend who's going to be a bridesmaid we probably go 10, 12 months without seeing each other. Mm. And it's not because we don't want to see each other. We just have very different busy lives. But when we come together, it's literally like we saw each other the day before. Mm. And, and we both know that if we needed the, the other, that, you know, we'd be there for each other. Mm. Um, That's beautiful though. I think those friendships, mm, when you have yeah. this mutual understanding of, um, yeah, of just, un- yeah. Like underlining love. Like it, it, that's yes. what it is. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Cool. So our final one is the only way to truly experience success is first to define it for yourself. Oh, I would say it's the only. Yeah, I think that's true. Mm. I do too. I mean, I made yeah. that one up. So Did I, you? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, then it is true, Emma. <laughs> I know. Every, like so many articles online are like, oh, this is how you can be successful and success is this, success is that. And I'm like, well, surely it's subjective. Yeah. You know, some people's success is a lovely family and a beautiful house and a yeah. mortgage. And some people's success is I've traveled to 58 different countries. Yeah. Like, like you know, you can't, yeah, there's no. I don't think there's one defining. I don't think success ha- can be defined. I, uh, you know, mm. yeah. Mm. So no, I would agree with you. Yeah, that's interesting. Actually, it can't mm. be defined. No. But then, what is it we're all fucking searching for? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. It's like the end of the rainbow. It doesn't does it exist? I genuinely don't believe it does. No, I, you can be very happy and not be successful. Oh, oh, yeah. Can you essay well, 20 marks? <laughs> I think, I think what you can become is happy with your lot. And what I mean by that is by you, you become content without tra- chasing this, this thing that doesn't really exist. Mm. And you very quickly can look around you and go, 
well, hold on. I have, you know, I have a job that fulfills me. I have people that fulfill me. I have, you know, I'm healthy. I have this X, Y, and Z, you know, and yes, you're always, you know, as ambitious people, you're always seeking for that, that next thing. But I think also there comes a time when you're like this, what I have is brilliant and Mm. everything else is just kind of the cherry on top. Mm. Yeah. Um, So true. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lise. This has been so fun. It is really good fun. I hope it was sort of what you, yeah, I hope it was okay and what you sort of wanted to chat about after. Absolutely. And it's so nice to be able to relate to so much of what you're saying, especially because, you know, we're in the same industry and everything. And I think a lot of people gain value from that. So, yeah, thank you. No, not at all. Not at all. It's been absolutely lovely to chat to you. We wish we could have had a glass of wine and sat outside. (laughs) I know. Wouldn't that have been nice? It's, it's, it's raining nice. and dark. It's and raining and dark. And it's COVID. So yeah. Not and it's happen. COVID. <laughs> so, but hey, it's only temporary. And I, as Ivy would say, it'll all be all right. Mm-hmm. Everything will be okay, guys. Yeah, it will be. As always, a big thanks to the composer and producer of this podcast, Pete Hat, And a huge thank you to you guys at home for listening. I love hearing your suggestions and reading your reviews, so please do keep them coming in. And yeah, I hope you all have a wonderful week, and I will see you very soon.